This is the VO Life Podcast. All about the ups and downs of being a voice actor in the real world. Casting sites, agents, marketing, using every resource to make sure we keep growing and reaching for more. We may not be superstars, but we're grinding our way up. From the occasional regional to the local 15 and everything in between, we are living the VO life. Join us weekly for recent happenings and interviews with the people who can help you on your walk through the VO life. Now, here's your host and fellow traveler, Troy Holden. Hey, 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 welcome back. You're listening to The VO Life. We're somewhere around episode 120, believe it or not. Today, we're going to dig into something that is a very hot topic. A lot a lot is being talked about about it. And, and our guest, who has voiced thousands of commercials, video games, IVR documentaries, I, I do understand even over 100 audio books, is the co-founder of Vocation, Evocation, co-founder, vice president of NAVA. My gosh, uh, Karen Gilfrey, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm just Thanks thrilled to get to talk me. to you. You're very, very welcome to be here. And, and I think this is going to be fantastic because we're going to touch on some things that a lot of uh, the folks in the VO Life Facebook group and that listen to the podcast, I took a survey a few weeks ago, and most of them have been at voiceover for less than a year and one to three years. That were the two big categories. So they are very unfamiliar with the union and the strike and what's going on, and they don't fully understand that. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the fun stuff first. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, vocation, evocation. And, and how that started and why it's different from the other yes. conferences. Oh, I love vocation and evocation so much. Um, vocation, if you don't know, is a conference that I put on with uh, one of my best friends in the world, Jamie Muffet. Um, and it is a conference that is completely dedicated to just the business side of voiceover. So we don't do any performance classes. You won't see coaches there telling you how to analyze a script or any anything like that. It's all just the business side. So we focus on contracts and negotiating rates and home studios and working with your agents and how to find work and direct marketing and online casting and all kinds of things. And it's just how to run your business. We started the conference in 2019. Our first one was in person in New York City. Um, I had a, I have a big group that I founded out in New York uh, called Voice Actors of NYC. Um, and Jamie had a group, uh, in Philadelphia, which is just an hour away of, uh, away from New York. So we had a nice community there. And so it was really great to get everybody together for this first conference in 2019. But then of course, as we know, in 2020, the world kind of shifted. And so we couldn't do our next conference in person. And so we moved to online and we found that doing it online had so many awesome unanticipated benefits. Like, for example, it's a lot cheaper to buy a conference ticket and open up your computer and attend and get all that information online than it is to buy a conference ticket, buy a plane ticket, buy a hotel, fly to the place, pay for all the food while you're there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the the level of accessibility for people just even purely on a cost basis 
is great. Um, but for people who don't, uh, who can't travel also for, you know, health reasons or they don't like to be in crowds or whatever, whatever the reason happens to be, it's also a great option. And, um, and yeah, it's coming up. Evocation is September 8 through 10 this year. And uh, but this year we're focusing on AI a little bit more than in past mm-hmm. years, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is very topical. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, it's great. I love it. And, uh, and the next in-person vocation conference is going to be April uh, 2024 in Costa Rica. Wow. At an Beautiful. all-inclusive resort. That's it's nice. It's going to be That's awesome. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to evocation. I'm one of the uh, scholarship winners, so I'm, yes. I'm really pumped about that. Yes. It's, Congratulations. It's great. Thank you. And it's really great to, to go to something like that with the, the focus on the business side. People forget that. You know, they, yeah. they jump into this with all the, the awe of, I'm going to be on commercials and they're going to hear me on the radio. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this is a business. It's yeah. not, you know, it, and it's, it's really tough. You need, absolutely you need that is. help. You need yeah, that help. And I think, you know, if you come from other, like I came from opera singing, I used to be an opera singer. And if you come from even like theater acting or even on camera acting, it's really a different, it's, it's a different uh, landscape as mm-hmm. far as getting work is concerned. Um, it's very much, you know, you have an agent and your agent gives you opportunities and you audition for those opportunities and hopefully you book those jobs. And sometimes people just ask for you and you get the job that way because of word mm-hmm. of mouth. Voiceover is really different. It's much more like being a freelance photographer where right. you're an artist but you're also a business and you have to find your own clients and certain people specialize in certain kinds of photography and you have to have your own equipment and all of this mm-hmm. other stuff. So we're all yeah. definitely artists, but we have to go out there and find work for ourselves every day if we want to work consistently. So right. It's, right. it's different. You have to have several spokes in the wheel or several funnels pointing to the bucket or however you want to put it. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's really crazy. Yeah. Um, so with with that, um, signups for vocation, for evocation and vocation, uh, we'll get to that at the end and we'll plug everything and make sure everyone knows and get it in the show notes because we want to get uh, as many people there as we can because it's just, I can't wait. I'm just really excited to focus on that side. Aww. Now let's, let's quickly change Thanks. gears because I don't want to, I don't want to run out of time or be pressed for time. Let's sure. talk about, let's talk about NAVA, the importance of NAVA. I've been a member for several months, uh, happy to support it. Wonderful to be there. Some great workshops, some great information always. So uh, what brought that about and getting involved in that? You know, it really started because of the pandemic. Um, when people lost their survival jobs, uh, well, it was kind of twofold. So people lost their survival jobs and um, because a lot of people worked in food service or, or other jobs that required being there in person. Um, and during that time, my group, Voice Actors of NYC, set up an emergency fund. And um, as people needed money, people would donate money. Other people from the community would donate money, and we would give out payments of $100 to whoever needed it. Just no questions asked. You need help with groceries. You need help with, you know, um, I don't know, paying your bills or whatever. 
medical bills or anything like that, here's $100. Doesn't matter the reason. Just take it. Um, We had about, I would say, in two years, I had probably $40,000 come in and out of voice actors of NYC that that was paid out to people in $100 payments, mostly. Um, At the same time, Tim Friedlander in L.A. had the same sort of thing happening um, where people in his community needed money and he had a community fund and he was paying out uh, funds to people as they needed them, no questions asked. But all of those funds were tied up to our own personal PayPal accounts. So we were paying Mm -hmm. taxes on all of that money personally, even though it was going out to the community. So Tim and I have been friends for a while and we were both lamenting about how you know we this is going through our personal taxes and sure um wouldn't it be great if there was some kind of nonprofit uh and then at the same time SAGAFTRA raised the earning minimum for uh health insurance mm-hmm. it was originally um I, there were two tiers and the first tier was you had to earn $17,000 worth of union work in order to qualify to get the first tier of health insurance and it was around 23,000 to get the second tier of health insurance and they raised it all to about 24,000 and so a bunch of people lost their health insurance and also it was the middle of a pandemic so people weren't working and they Mm -hmm. weren't meeting their health insurance minimums and so tim and i started looking into um if it was possible if we hypothetically formed an association for us to be able to provide health insurance for people who were members of the association and the answer was uh, no, maybe, yes, we don't know, maybe, yes, no, <laughs> depending <laughs> right. on which lawyer you talk to and which source mm-hmm. you consulted. Um, so after about a year and a half of trying to figure out how we could possibly do this, we found a solution and we found a broker and we found a company that would take us on as, as an association um, and we found a plan sponsor. And so we didn't actually... Nava was Nava was a foundation or Nava was you know a, a full association before we ever had members because we wanted we didn't want to charge anyone money for membership if we didn't have this health insurance plan in place to be able to offer people. Mm-hmm. So we opened up uh, membership last November when we knew that we had access to a health insurance plan for our members um and and then that's kind of how it started. At the same time, all of this AI stuff has come to the forefront. And so Nava has really been at the center of all of that uh, going on. Uh, because we are a small group of just voice actors, we can be really fast and agile. We can meet with lots of different people. We don't have the same uh, constraints that uh, a union has or a group like SAG-AFTRA that's made up of way more than just voice actors, um, at like thousands and thousands of people. We, we're just a few hundred people right now. I think the last time our membership was about 650 voice mm-hmm. actors. Um, and uh, so it's just kind of gone on from there. We are in meetings every single day. <laughs> we are working for NAVA every single day. And uh, we're doing it n- not for any reason, except that it's just something that needs to be done. No one mm-hmm. is really 
making money. I don't get a salary. <laughs> you know, we're just we're just doing it right, as much as we right. can because it needs to be done. Um, and hopefully through the the things that we're doing with Nava now, it will help our collective future mm-hmm. as voice mm-hmm. actors because it just needs needs to be done. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. The giving back in this community as a whole, and this is a, a large example. It's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm always amazed at it. Uh, the openness, uh, the ability of uh, for people to pay things forward, even in small ways. You know, it it makes a, a huge difference. I've given away a couple of microphones. You know, things I started with, and I thought I don't need a mic locker with this all this stuff. I'm going to yeah. use what I have. And so here's an older interface, and here's a mic, and this guy's using a USB, and he's booking some jobs on pay to play. But and he's in the group, and he's like, "Man, I'm, I just really wish I could hurry up and afford that." And I'm like, "Let me just send you this one. Try it." Aww. And you know, anything you can do like that to help, I think is great. Yeah, you know, I so think we all is, we all remember when we started. You know, and it. Mm-hmm. When you start in this job, I mean, we're all literally in a box by ourselves all day long. Right. So it's hard to figure out what to do (laughs) and the right thing to do and the things that other people are doing in Mm -hmm. the business if you don't have a community. And I think all of us remember that moment of starting when you really feel kind of alone and clueless. And so to reach a hand, you know, out to somebody who's just starting and let mm-hmm. them have like a little bit of an easier way forward, I think is, is, right. uh, is a great right. thing. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it can be very, very lonesome when you start, yeah. you don't, you yeah. don't know what you don't know and you don't really know what you need to know. And there's not just one way. There are no. so many paths that you can take and different people can help you with. And just, uh, just be careful. There are the shysters. You got to be careful. But uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, if you get in these groups and get to know people and and really pay attention, you'll kind of see what the better paths are and you can choose one of those. So uh, if you're not in now uh, in Nava, uh, you need to join because it's it's not like it's an arm and a leg and it's and the benefits will pay you back. So I want to encourage everybody. You think, oh, I'm not far enough along. And no, get in. You can learn while you're there as well. And it helps the organization as a whole. So please consider that and get in. And as we change gears again, and I know this one's going to be a little trickier because you mentioned the other day, you said, I'm just FICOR, and I understand that. But I think you have a really good understanding of how all of this works and why it works the way it does. And a lot of people who are brand new, they're going, am I supposed to get into sag after? Am I supposed to do this or that? Or I'm in a right-to-work state, and I'm this or that. So can you just give a little overview of how all of that layers out? Because I know you guys also maybe not long ago had an online thing about going through those discussions through through Nava. I yeah, think. it it's it's a really so. What I'll say about joining SAG-AFTRA or not joining SAG-AFTRA is it is a very individual choice, mm-hmm. and no person can tell you what is right for your career and your. Mm-hmm. And your situation. So I'll just give you my situation. I started out as an opera singer, like I said, and I got into voiceover basically because a friend was like, hey, I, I do audiobooks sometimes and I'm a singer. And I was like, cool, let me just research online how people do that. And so I got a, <laughs> I got a USB mic and I built a little tabletop fort with some couch pillows and mm-hmm. I took some classes. Um, and my teacher said, oh, there are these online casting sites. 
uh, you know, you can join those to find work. And so I was really on my own and I had mm-hmm. no idea what the rest of the voiceover world was doing. I didn't realize that SAG-AFTRA was a union that I could or should join. I was also living in Switzerland when I started. So there was no, you know, L.A. union scene around me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I was just I really thought that the extent of the voiceover industry was what was existed on online casting sites. And this was the way that everyone was casting for every single thing that existed in the mm-hmm. world. I, I was just clueless. So I spent about a year um, really building my client list to a point where I was making, you know, some money in voice acting. The second year, I pretty much doubled my income, which was not a lot at the time. But by year three or four, I was earning a full living um, in voiceover just from work I was getting on my own without any Mm -hmm. agent, without any kind of anything. And none of it was union work. Mm -hmm. Then... I booked a job on Voice 123 for a Disney toy. And it was a non-union commercial, but the voice inside the toy, the toy was a Cinderella toy that sang Bibbidi Boppity Boo. And hmm. the actress who plays the fairy godmother was a union actress. She died in, I think, the 1980s or or maybe the late 70s or something like that. Mm-hmm. But because her voice was in the commercial and she was a union actor, the whole commercial had to be converted to union. And so I was offered a uh, I was they did a Taft Hartley form for me, which basically made me union eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that gave me the ability to join the union if I wanted to. Uh Then they hired me for like four other commercials in a span of six months or something that were also (laughs) union commercials. So Mm -hmm. that made me a must join, meaning I could not do any more union work without being required to join the union. Um, I could still keep doing non-union work if I wanted to, but I had to decide this is like the the like do or die moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) of like, you got it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you got it. You got to You got to join the union or we are not going to uh, let you do this job. So, um, but again, at that point, those were the only union jobs I had ever booked. I had no agent and I was earning a full living from non-union work. And I just had a brand new baby. The catch with joining the union is that when you join SAG-AFTRA, you are required to abide by Global Rule 1. And Global Rule 1 states that you should not, cannot do any work that uh, is under a collective bargaining agreement with the union. So what it basically means in a nutshell, generally, is that you cannot do non-union work if you're a member of the union with certain with certain you know exceptions if something if if they haven't negotiated co- a contract for something then you can do work you know non-union if uh you're working uh in non-broadcast genres often that work can be converted you can convert some things and make them go union but i didn't really know any of that All I knew in my mind was if I join the union, I'm going to have to give up all my non-union work that I've spent four years building. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided to become 
uh, financial core immediately upon joining, which means that I am a fee-paying non-member. So I still paid my sag after initiation fee of, I think it was $3,100 at the time in, in uh, 2014 or 2017. Um, I still paid dues. I paid dues based on the income that I make through union work. But I am not an official member of SAG-AFTRA. Um, I still get a pension. I still get mm-hmm. health insurance. I do not have the right to work on any committees. And I cannot vote in elections. And I can't vote for awards. And I don't get screeners at award, at award season. Um, but again, I still get pension, I still get health insurance, and I'm legally allowed to do both union and non-union work without getting in trouble with the union. Hmm. Um, that's what FICOR is, and that's what I decided to do. And for me, it was the only decision I could make because I didn't want to take a waitressing job and be away from my baby sure. and try to sure. and try to get as much union work as I could. I didn't even know how to get union work. I didn't have an agent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of the work that I do is union, but still a huge portion of it is non-union. And my family lives on my salary. So Mm -hmm. I I don't feel like I can be a full union member. And actually, you can't, you can go back and become a full union member after being FICOR, but it's it's difficult. You have to go, I think you have to go before a review board um, and you have to tell them why you were FICOR yeah. and why you've decided to be full a full union member now. Um, and it's just, it's very complicated and it's not something that I feel I need to do. Um, but I do as much as I can to try and convert every job that I get that's non-union that can be converted to union. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do everything I can to support the efforts of sag I do almost no broadcast work at all under non-union contracts. It's almost all union work because I, I believe in that. It's mostly just the other stuff that um, is non-union. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of a hard... How do I want to say this? <laughs> it's hard to be in the position of being um, the the vice president of NAVA and being FICOR and being openly FICOR mm-hmm. because there is a lot of stigma from union members about people who are FICOR because you are working both sides. You're doing non-union right. and union work right. and you're kind of going against all of the contract protections and fee protections and things that that uh, actors have fought very, very hard for for years and years. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that. Um, but at the same time, I I didn't have an option at, at the time right. that I was right. in my career. So that's what I decided to do. And, uh, and I'll still do everything in my power to try and help the union because I do believe that SAG-AFTRA mm-hmm. is doing good work and mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. to be highlighted and supported. So... Yeah, that's so that's, that's interesting. That. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a tough decision, though. Like you said, it's it's your family and your business that's yeah. going to weigh in heavily. The other side, you're going to see and support, and I can see where where your decision came from. You talked about converting jobs and and mainly converting broadcast jobs, non um, non broadcast jobs. Oh, I'm sorry, but not converting the non broadcast. Right, you're converting only no, no, broadcast. I'm saying, I'm saying I typically don't do 
uh, commercials or any any broadcast work mm-hmm. non-union. I typically gotcha. do gotcha. all of that work union if possible. Okay. Now, converting work, taking a job that is non-union and making it union is something that is absolutely possible. People do it all the time. And it is a great way, if you are a union actor, to still go after some of this non-union work that you can then bring into the union fold. So um, the easiest jobs to convert are the ones that are non-broadcast and only Mm -hmm. include one actor, which is you, Um, for many different reasons. But if a job pays over a certain amount, almost any corporate narration or explainer or e-training or phone system or any kind of job like that can be converted to union. Audiobooks also are a very easy one to convert to union if they if they pay above a certain um, amount mm-hmm. and that varies from publisher to publisher, but generally over $250 per finished hour could probably be converted to union, but you have to look up the specifics. Mm, but it's it's really easy. You just contact a union signatory, you ask them about it, you mm-hmm. fill out they fill out paperwork on your end, you invoice, they pay you. It's it's easy. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Neat. That's neat. That's good yeah. to know. I think that was the uh, the most confusing part for me. I kind of understood the five core and and the difference there. I'd looked into it before, and it's come up a few times. So, yeah, for sure. But the converting, I, ha- I had not heard non-broadcast was the easy ones. And it does make sense if you're the only actor, for sure. Yeah, because That's broadcast amazing. under the union, there are a lot of rules about broadcast. And there are a lot of rules about the ways that you're paid for broadcast work. Like, mm-hmm. for example, a commercial that airs on network TV, you could get residuals for. So every time the commercial pays, you get another fee. They add it up and they send you a check for that. Um, in the non-union world, it doesn't really work that way. So it's really hard to go to a client and say like, hey, I think that this commercial should be union. Um, their entire pay structure has to kind of change and they'll probably end up spending a lot more than they had intended to because of the because of the way that the commercial contract is structured under SAG-AFTRA. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's not impossible if you can get your client to agree to it, but it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to do. It's not as straightforward as a non-broadcast job. Makes sense. That does make sense. The um, the changes in the industry, and, and that's where I, I think I can see people being long-term SAG-AFTRA and all of these things in the last 10 years, uh, and even probably more so in the last five, where it's changed where, where work comes from and how this gets done and how it's not that other voice actors are abandoning those beliefs. It's that all the clients have abandoned those beliefs and they are seeking to place that work in other places. Of course, they're looking to cut and save money. I mean, I come from the corporate world of automotive manufacturing. That's all they did. Cut, cut, cut. And then we all see the car prices going up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, so somebody's getting rich and, and somebody's not. But with the changes in the last several years of there is so many forms of media out there needing a voice, but it is not um, what we would call well-paying things. They're Mm -hmm. the mom and pops wanting their IVR professionally done, but they're not going to pay tons of money. And, you know, there are the small towns uh, that have a hardware store on a local radio station, and they're sick and tired of the same two voices doing all the commercials. Mm -hmm. So they're seeking someone like that. And I can see where all of this change and diversity 
uh, had I stayed in my automotive job and continued and watched all those changes over the last few years, I would probably be very upset about how things are going. So I totally empathize with everybody and totally support everything that's going on with that, although my knowledge is not as deep, but I understand. And uh, yeah, change is change. My gosh, I just can't believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think a lot of times when clients hire non-union actors at the high level, right? So we're talking like, you know, a company like Target has always had non-union commercials. Um, Target can afford as a company to pay union actors. I personally Mm -hmm. do not know why Target doesn't do union TV commercials, but... (laughs) I have a feeling that a lot of times companies do this not because they don't have the money to do it, but because the ease of hiring is so much better on the non-union side than on the union side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you hire someone on the non-union side, you can literally go to an online casting site, post your job, get 50 auditions in an hour, listen to everyone, choose the person that you want, uh, you know, hire them through the site, pay with a credit card have the file by the end of the day and you're done. Right. If right. you want to if you want to hire someone on the union side for the same job, it's like so much more complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even I don't even want to expand upon the process, but it involves you know getting people cleared through station 12 and uh, which is like to make sure that they're up on their union dues and it involves lots of different contracts and and your media mm-hmm. buy and like all these different things that it, it are great because it means that actors are being paid fairly on the union right. side that's great right. but it disincentivizes clients from going that route because it's so complicated mm-hmm. if i was going to buy a product you know let's say it's a set of dishes that's available at macy's and the same set is available on amazon like, if I know that I can get it for prime, you know, two day delivery, whereas Macy's is going to take five to eight days, like mm-hmm. I'm just even if it's a little more expensive on Amazon or if it's cheaper on Amazon, it doesn't really matter because I like that two day delivery and right. I might just buy right. it on Amazon. Or not even me, but like any person in the world would be more likely to buy it with the faster shipping, even if it's a little bit more expensive, because it's just Mm -hmm. easy. You just go and you click and it comes to your house. Um, So I I think that that is what the union is fighting against. And the contracts, the sag after contracts, have been negotiated over decades and decades. And so they are pages and pages and pages long. they're very complicated because they're very intricate and they're very intricate because they want to protect as many people as possible and as many situations as possible. And that makes so much sense to me. But at the same time, I think it's disincentivizing buyers, just mm-hmm. the complicated nature mm-hmm. of it, not even the price. Sure. And yeah. and we're always last as well. Mm-hmm. Everything else is ready and they just want to slap your voice onto there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's like, we can get it today. Yeah, it's you like, know, how we many can clients, have this ready tomorrow. <laughs> how many clients am I like, did you just not remember that you needed a voice actor (laughs) why is this why is this like you need to have it by tomorrow like shouldn't you have done this four weeks ago (laughs) right right they always leave us for last they do they leave us for last yeah yeah because we're quick and they're used to you're right they're just used to it um yeah let's let's kind of trend into the, the the strike a little bit 
and and make sure that uh, more people understand the depth of this more than you know you. And I even had to uh, jump on a local guy here on a Facebook page who who had put on there. Look at all these pampered. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's not what this is. This this is not that top. Uh, Top group of people. This is all the blue collar people. Yeah, that were that's that are screwed over all the time, yeah. literally. And and it's and it c- could get a lot worse. Just the quick synopsis, so people that are new to voiceover understand why this is happening and why it's important. Yeah. So if you want an in depth explanation of the strike, I just listened to not to not to uh, have another podcast be highlighted on your podcast, but the Today oh, Explained, fine. the Today Explained podcast from Vox Media just yesterday released an episode all about the SAG after strike and and the WGA strike, and it is mm-hmm. so interesting and very in depth and really good to listen to. So I would recommend that if you want to learn more. Um, but just just <laughs> just uh, a quick overview. The so SAG AFTRA has many different kinds of contracts that exist for all the different kinds of work that are out there in the entertainment industry. So, if you are doing a video game, you're working under the interactive contract. If you're doing a TV commercial, you're working under the commercials contract. If you're doing a movie or a TV show, you're working under the TV theatrical contract. And each of these contracts is negotiated with the different uh, end clients, we'll call them, um, or organizations that represent all of the producers, um, you know, every couple of years. So with the commercial contracts, they're negotiating with commercial people with the interactive contract they're negotiating with video game producers and with the tv theatrical contract they're negotiating with the amptp the american american motion picture and television producers right that's what it is i believe that is correct that's it the association of movie and television producers no we should cut that part out (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> now I don't know the name of it. <laughs> I'll just say for the TV theatrical contract, they're negotiating with the AMPTP. Yep. Um, so the, the, this contract came up for renewal. And SAG-AFTRA, you know, obviously wants to renew the terms of the contract to make it more favorable for actors. Streaming and uh, streaming especially, but also AI mm-hmm. and other things have come onto the scene in a different way now than they were 10 years ago, even two years ago. So mm-hmm. so SAG-AFTRA has come out with certain things that they want in the contract. And the AMPTP has basically said no to almost every single thing that SAG-AFTRA wanted in the contracts. And you can look up exactly what was wanted and exactly mm-hmm. what the AMPTP responded for each of these uh, contract portions. Um, and and so <laughs> actors have decided uh, and SAG-AFTRA has decided to st- do a, have a strike just on that contract. And SAG-AFTRA has encouraged its members to keep working in other genres of acting. So mm-hmm. you are still allowed to do commercials. You're still allowed to do video games. You are allowed and encouraged to do, you know, all kinds of other things. Just not TV and movies. Under contract with AMPTB producers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's mainly it. Um, 
the celebrities are fine. <laughs> it's the everyday workaday actor that has mm-hmm. really, really been affected by this streaming thing and the and will be affected by the AI thing. Right. Um, you get paid a day rate as a regular actor. And the day rate is like about a thousand dollars considering, you know, um, costumes and wait times, et cetera, et cetera. But from that thousand dollars, you pay a portion to your agent, a portion in taxes, a portion for your health and pension. So you only end up with like, you know, a few hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, let's say, after all Mm -hmm. of that is taken out, which seems still like pretty good for a day's work. But you might be, you know, holding for several days that week. And that's the only day you work that week that Mm -hmm. you may that may be the only day you work for the whole month. Right, right. It's not like you're just constantly on shows every single day, on set every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, and, and then, you know, these streaming shows have millions and millions and undisclosed millions of views because right. the streaming companies won't release the data on how many people are actually watching their shows. Um, and no one gets any residuals. Hmm. You don't get paid based on how popular the show is. So there have been all these uh, articles coming out about the show Orange is the New Black, which was really popular like around 2014, I want to say. And uh, all of the actors that are in it, you know, a lot of them were like working at soap stores and working as waiters and they would be recognized Mm -hmm. on the street and people would say, oh, my gosh, you're on Orange is the New Black. This is like the greatest hit show ever. On Netflix. And they were like, yep, well, I only got paid $1,000 total for one day of work. Right. Um, and really only like $600. Mm. So that so that's one side of the coin. The other side is AI. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Which is a whole the... Other, uh, a whole other ball game. Yeah, I saw the, uh, the feature that was on... Uh, I don't know if it just got posted on social media or what, but they were showing how they had taken the actor's image and mm-hmm. overlaid the AI voice, and it and it was a background character, and it was doing everything on its own, and I couldn't tell, mm-hmm. and they would not get a penny for that. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous, you know. And w- and we see similarities in what we do, um, the the things that we get paid for, and you're not paying attention, or, or you know, newer people not really seeing where it's going to be used and they get $250 for something that ends up on a national or a worldwide platform and they mess that up. That's their fault, but that's, you know, that's what that sag is for. It's protecting people from that. And for that to, to just be blatantly put out there, I totally understand, you know, why, why would anyone want to leave it like it is? It's it's totally wrong. And uh, I think I heard of all people, Snoop Dogg was on this morning talking about, they won't give us any numbers. They won't tell me how many times I got downloaded and da, yep. da, da, da. I just want to know, you know, and, and he's right. You should yeah. be paid for that. In the old days, you got paid for every radio play, all the appearances, everything that went on. It was pretty easy. But now with all this digital and media, it's just crazy. Yeah, we don't. It's crazy. We, scary. What's funny is they track all of that stuff. All the companies, mm-hmm. they absolutely know how many sure. times each of their shows sure has do. been played. So it's not sure. like it's not like a, you know, an unknowable number. 
it is a knowable number. They just don't want to tell people because if you see that your show got, you know, 500 million views on the first day that it was released or something, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to want to be paid more for your hit show. And even even if you don't get paid in residuals, if you know that your show has 500 million views on the first day that it was released, you know, when you renegotiate your contract for season two, you have a better understanding of what you're negotiating. Mm-hmm. And so you'll you'll want to ask for more when you renegotiate. And um, Absolutely. that's the thing is like, I think, um, and that's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm open about being FICOR, even though a lot of people are not. Um, because I really believe that transparency in every part of a person's life and business is the greatest way that we can all know the score and better plan our futures. If mm-hmm. you if a person is looking at me and thinking, "Wow, you know, she's really successful and she's only doing union work." That's it's not true. That's not true. And I don't I don't want to pretend like it is true. Mm-hmm. Um and what that says about the business that we're in is not anything more than, you know, it needs to be fixed. If I could be a full union member, I absolutely would. But the Mm -hmm. way that the business is now, I can't. And I want to do everything in my power to be able to change the business while still supporting my family and still still doing everything I can for the voiceover community to bring as much work to the union as possible. Um, And uh, yeah, I just think I just think transparency is key. We want to know the streaming views. (laughs) We want to know if you're using us for AI. I do not want my voice or my likeness to be used for AI, machine learning, voice dub, synthetic voice production without my consent, Mm -hmm. without uh, good controls over that voice, and without Mm -hmm. fair compensation for the use of that voice. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Pretty pretty simple stuff. Yeah. One last question. Sure. Sure. Because uh, we, we've been going at this for 40 minutes. I can't believe it. Time flies. <laughs> um, the last survey you guys did was based on 2021 and came out in 2022. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Is, is there another one coming? There there will be. We are going to, at the end of, probably at the end of November or the middle of November is when we'll put out the new voiceover survey for people to take. And then we'll mm-hmm. publish the results at the beginning of 2024. Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's and and if you if you're unaware, um, the voiceoversurvey.com is where you can get results for 2020 and navavoices.org is where you can get the voiceover survey results for 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, We (laughs) I think it's really important to know to kind of take the pulse of our industry and to know um, all kinds of information about how we're doing and what percentage mm-hmm. of work comes through people's agents and how many of us are union and how many of us are non-union. It really helps us to understand the industry as a whole. Um, it does. It really yeah. does. I, I love the reality of it. It, it gave me a snapshot because I was, I was a little down at one time and it gave me a snapshot of you're, you're not in a position to be down because you're only, you're in this year and this, and you're ahead 
mm-hmm. of what everyone's doing. So what are you worried about? You need to worry when you hit year five and year six. Mm-hmm. That's where you should be seeing major change, not in year two, not in year three. Yes, you're climbing. And you, like you said, you have that one year, you double, and then things start to get better and you are climbing up. But it was great for me to to dig into that research and look at it and say, well, here's where I am. Am I ahead or behind? And, you know, or am I average or what? Or am I so far behind? I need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great information. <laughs> I really appreciate how That's you guys compiled it and broke it out. I mean, it was really good. I've shared it, shared the websites several times in the podcast for people that are, you know, new and struggling. How long is this going to take? And there's no magic answer. I can't tell 10 people it's going to take you three years and you five years and you seven years. We don't know, but you can at least look in there and get snapshots of what is happening with real people. And I think Absolutely. that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for your time. I know we didn't talk a lot about you and your progression in voiceover, but I will send people to 10 other podcasts to catch up on you because <laughs> you've been on so we many. Don't but need I really, me. well, I really <laughs> wanted to hit nuts and bolts here. No, you are, you Not are a huge inspiration. <laughs> now, you're a huge inspiration in this industry oh, because of your transparency right. and the things you do. And thanks for reaching out to me a while back about the, uh, the voiceover troll. Yes, that was the bother- voiceover troll. Us. Yeah. Yeah. That was so much fun. Yeah. Take care of each other, everyone. Don't, don't troll each other. Yes. We all got to take care of each other. other. (laughs) Be good to each other. And that's what this community is for. There's always somebody trying to spoil stuff. It's true. It's true. Karin, thanks again so much. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And um, I really do appreciate your time and appreciate all you and Jamie both do uh, uh, for vocation, evocation, everything you and Tim do for Nava. It's just wonderful. And it's it's just refreshing to hear your knowledge about so many different things. You're not only a voice actor, you're in the business. And that really reflects on your knowledge. And I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. You're quite welcome. This podcast was produced under the authority of the podcast police, who may or may not have investigated the host and guests prior to broadcasting. Any unlawful statements will be investigated further and persecuted to the fullest extent of the podcast law. This has been the VO Life with Troy Holden on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more.